This episode has been brought to you in part by the Azrieli Music Prizes. Join them in celebrating artistic excellence at the AMP Gala Concert, live from Maison Symphonique in Montreal, happening October 20th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Orchestre Metropolitain will premiere award-winning music by laureates Aharon Harla, Iman Habibi, and Rita Ueda. Learn more at azrielifoundation.org backslash AMP. Conservative party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. They can stand with people who wave uh, the Confederate flag. We will choose to stand with Canadians who deserve to be able to get to their jobs, who be able to get their lives back. Point of order, uh, the Honourable Member for Thornhill. Speaker, I am a strong Jewish woman and a member of this House and a descendant of Holocaust survivors, and I have never made to, I've, it's never been singled out, and I have never been made to feel less, except for today when the Prime Minister accused me of standing with swastikas. I think he owes me an apology. I'd like an apology, and I think he owes That's what apology. it sounded like in February in the House of Commons, and I'm sure you heard about it when it happened when the Conservative MP for Thornhill, Melissa Lansman, was sparring during question period with the Prime Minister over the use of the Emergencies Act to try to stop the truckers' protests. He slammed her and her party for supporting the truckers, and she felt he'd attacked her Jewish heritage. Well, since then, Lansman has continued taking the government to task on many files. The ArriveCan app, inflation, vaccine mandates, and lately urging more sanctions on Iran. But in recent days, Lansman's political career has taken off. In September, Pierre Polievre won the Conservative Party leadership, and he asked her to be one of his nine newly appointed advisors and also his deputy leader of the opposition. That's a meteoric rise for the rookie Jewish politician, who's marking her one-year anniversary since she was first elected in the fall of 2021 to represent the riding with the highest percentage of Jewish voters in Canada. Yet with all the success this past year, not getting an apology from Justin Trudeau is a disappointment Lansman can't forget. Without dwelling on, uh, on, on sort of the personal nature of, of, of why I think the Prime Minister will never apologize, I think this is a much bigger problem. I think, um, you know, uh, anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism, anti-Jewish sentiment is excused every single day in progressive circles. Um, And our job and my job and the job that the community sent me here for is to call that out. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Wednesday, October the 19th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Melissa Lansman's actually one of two deputy leaders of the opposition. The other is Tim Uppel from Alberta. And while some people are a little nervous about the party's warm support for the truckers and also about other fringe elements that the new conservative leader seems to court, Lansman says Pierre Polievre is good for the Jews. Coming up, we'll chat with Lansman about her year on the Hill. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. Um... Ephraim Rappaport in Richmond, Vancouver, British Columbia, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Speaking of one-year anniversaries, the Federal Minister of Diversity and Inclusion, Ahmed Hussein, has released an update about how his government has been living up to its commitments to fight anti-Semitism. 
The news release came on the one-year anniversary of the pledges which the Liberals made during a summit on anti-Semitism that was held in Malmö, Sweden in October of 2021. So far, Canada did make Professor Erwin Kotler's position permanent as Special Envoy on Holocaust Remembrance, and they set aside $5 million to keep the office running. Ottawa also pledged to donate millions for some new Holocaust museums and Jewish buildings that are going up in Vancouver and Toronto and Montreal, and they pledged to change the criminal code to make Holocaust denial illegal. But Hussein's message made no mention of his current problem over anti-Semitism, where his department and Heritage Canada knew for weeks that they'd hired and paid a Beirut-based activist, Leith Marouf, to teach anti-racism, even though he's a well-known Israel hater who's also posted derogatory things online about French people and Indigenous Canadians, too. And joining us now from her constituency office in Thornhill is Melissa Lansman. Welcome back to the CJN Daily. Thank you for having me. Well, it's been really good to keep track of your career since we spoke a year ago uh, in September with your colleague Yara Sachs on the other side of the hall. As the two of you were heading to Ottawa with your sneakers and your mezuzahs. Yep, sneakers are still on. Mezuzah is fastened to the door. So let's go back to a year ago, give or take a couple of weeks. It was uh, after the House of Commons was reopening in person. You had been elected and uh, you went there all bright eyed and bushy tailed, although you've been in parliament and politics for years. So it wasn't like you've never been there before. What's been the biggest surprise for you in the year about being in parliament? You know what? I knew what I was getting into for the most part, uh, working in, in politics. And I still did it anyway. So that, uh, you know, that, that might answer whether it's a sane decision or not. But what, what never changed for me is every single time I walk into that building, I walk on the floor of, uh, of, of Parliament, the feeling is still there, the feeling of tremendous honour, uh, tremendous responsibility, um, understanding that your words um, and the things that you advocate matter, and they mattered on day one, and they, they, they matter up until now, and as soon as they don't matter to me anymore, I know that I've been there too long. So I'm not there yet, I'm not even close. Um, but it still feels like the first day every single time. Okay, so just a couple of logistical things. When right. you moved to Parliament and you had your seat assigned a year ago, now you're deputy co-leader. Did you have to move seats? Yeah, I got. A, I got um, so tell I me all the changes. I started. Uh, I started in the in the second row, uh, just uh, diagonally from uh, from the then leader. Uh, and I uh, came back after the uh, the summer. I got a new seat, and I sit right next to uh, to the leader in the uh, uh, in the front row. And uh, I get the you know I get the front row seat at what's happening in uh, in our democracy. And uh, and I take that responsibility pretty seriously in that front row seat. Okay, I want to show you a picture. I hope this works. Just a second. This is your Twitter beautiful uh, headline photo. What is this? When was it taken? Tell me about it. So this is a picture. So the leader was elected um, on a Saturday night. Uh, so we're talking about P- Pierre Polyev. Pierre Polyev. So he was he was elected by the party by a massive, massive uh, majority in, in almost every riding uh, in the country by our party membership. And this picture took place the Wednesday following. Uh, and in the, between that time, I got a call and, uh, and he said, will you serve on my leadership team? And of course the answer is like, yes, you know, 
Um, and then he said, will you, you know, will you be the co-deputy leader? Um, and, and, and of course I said, of, of course. And he's like, will you come to work at, you know, at, at, uh, at 730 AM on, on Wednesday morning, we're getting started. So this picture is uh, a morning shot of our leadership team and how this works is that everybody got a call for the different uh, for the different positions that exist on the house leadership team and that means the whip and the house leader and all of the machinations of 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 things that happen in parliament and nobody knows who got called so when you walk into that room you're like so what are you in for uh, what do you, how do you know the bride? Right. So this is the first picture that we all took together of, you know, this is the, this is the inflation busting leadership team. Uh, that's, that's what we were going for in that, uh, in that picture. How does having a Jewish person on his right hand play out now to, uh, make Polyevra, Mr. Polyevra acceptable or welcomed even by the Canadian Jewish community? And what is your job to do that? Because I'll just say you know, everyone looks at the leadership members and the CPC during the past election. It's okay. What's their position on Israel? What's their position on anti-Semitism? Sure. What's their position on Holocaust? Now, are they good for the Jews or bad for the Jews? So let's discuss his and your role in that. Yeah, look, as, as, as conservatives, our position on, on, on staunch support for Israel, staunch support for the Jewish community, for things like security funding and, uh, uh, and uh, our, our, our incessant fight against the anti-Semitism, which is loud and clear at the highest levels of this political government, uh, has never been different. It has never changed. And it was one way under Harper and it continues that way under Pierre. And it is one of the reasons... It is not a reason to try to get the Jewish community to support us. It is one of the reasons I actually supported Pierre, uh, our leader, and I supported him early. I think he's good for our community. I think he's good for the Jewish people. I think he's good for, uh, uh, for all of the things that I just, uh, uh, I just talked about. And I've known him for a very long time, and I've known him to be good for our community. So I don't think I have to convince anyone. Um, but I think we have to we have to talk about what is going on right now in government for our community and who, uh, you know, who is not saying the things that need to be said. Right. I mean, there's so many issues. I want to talk about them now. First of all, I asked you what your most surprising um, takeaway has been, but your most shocking, perhaps personally upsetting episode was that the Swastika Trudeau February House of Commons exchange still? That's a personal, that's a personal thing um, for me. But what, you know, what I'm concerned about is, is, is the voice that this community does not have in this government. And we can see it just with a recent, uh, uh, with the recent instance of a guy named Laith Maruth. $133,000 from the government to some fund that he is, uh, or some organization that he is the head of. He is vitriolically anti-Semitic and publicly so more money from the CRTC to the same organization. And he knew for a month that this was happening and did not cut off funding. Now, if that's not upsetting to the community, the minister Hussein uh, knew for one month. And if you want to make the comparison, they knew about Hockey Canada, which is a story that's been recently in, uh, in the news, and they cut off funding in two days. They knew about the We Charity uh, scandal that happened years ago, and it took a week to cut off funding. Why in this case did it take a month? And why in this case are there MPs in the government 
who are letting this go. That should be what our community is supportive. Whether the prime minister wants to paint me as something that I'm not is a personal thing for me. But this is the thing that the community should be aware of. And if we don't think that this is happening at the highest levels of government, I think we're not listening as a community. And that's my job. You know, there are eight, seven Jewish members of parliament on both sides of the island. Uh, I wonder, because of how your position is on government policy, how have you navigated, for example, you know, you were going to Ottawa with these people as a Jewish MP, but now their handling of the various Jewish issues. How does that work? Yeah, look, I, I, I actually think in some cases their handling of, uh, of some of the issues that have come to the forefront is disgraceful. Um, and I'm certainly not afraid of that. That doesn't make them bad people. It makes them bad advocates for the Jewish community. And maybe that's not what they want to do. Um, but it's certainly what it, uh, what it looks like and it feels like. Uh, and while we can work on other things like, uh, 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 you know, bills related to judges training on domestic violence, I will never relent on, uh, on, on calling anti-Semitism for what it is, calling anti-Zionism for what it is, which is the same thing and conflated in this, uh, in this government, uh, and standing up for the Jewish community in the way, uh, that I believe is right. I would hope that just like my expectation, that you would want to see that minister take responsibility, be accountable. Uh, and in this case, a month, a month of not saying anything. Uh, ministers used to resign uh, when, they, uh, when they did something wrong and when they, that was the way that they were held accountable. And I think sweeping this one under the rug uh, is, a, is an injustice. Uh, to the Jewish community is an injustice to Canadians and is an injustice to anti-racism and anti-hate right across the board. Let's go back to that February time. I just will have one more question about it. When this happens to somebody, many people may not think, they may be so stunned to hear something that they're not quick to like get the comeback and to know what to say. How did you go through that while you were standing there and were able to come back with what you said to Trudeau? Well, of course, it's personally shocking that uh, a prime minister of a G7 country would, would, would say that in the House of Commons to another member of parliament, uh, let alone, you know, uh, to somebody that he sees, uh, you know, he sees on a daily basis who I'm, I'm not sure, you know, whether he knew my history or not, but it is an insane thing to paint somebody else as. And the truth is, is that I owe all, all of this to my education to the family that I came from, to the community that raised me, that taught me to be proud, to stand up for myself, to know, uh, to know that an entire generation is watching to make sure that what happened then doesn't happen again. And that's our responsibility as the next generation. So, uh, you know, it's not, it's not a comeback. It comes from a place of, of, uh, of pride uh, and, and education um, and, and, and parents who, who never would ever let me forget where I came from. Right. And you asked for an apology from the prime minister. Have you ever, um, had that apology? No, no. And I don't expect to. Okay. So we're going to move on now to some of the issues that I know that you've been dealing with. I know that on a Sabbath, you went to the rally in Richmond Hill uh, to support the Iranian Canadian and other allies who protested against the Iranian government's crackdown on women and the murder of Masa Amini. 
There were a few other Jewish leaders there as well, and Mr. Poliev attended. How did that all come about that you decided that he decided to go and other leaders did not? Well, the invite was uh, the invite was put out to uh, to 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 all the leaders. Uh, uh, Mr. Poliev made the right decision in terms of answering. Uh, I have never seen uh, a community mobilized like that in Canada in recent history. 50,000 people in, uh, in Richmond Hill. And it's just, it's like a stone's throw away from, from, from where I am um, right now. And I just didn't even know 50,000 people could like knew where that was or did the same. I don't even know that 50,000 people knew it was Saturday uh, that day. So, you know, incredible numbers. And because there is something very, very important uh, happening in the community and something very, very important that the government should should do, should be aware of, should be strong about and, and isn't. And they lost the opportunity by not even so much as uh, as answering the invitation. It wasn't like, sorry, I can't come. You didn't you didn't work on Yom Kippur, but you did on Sabbath. So I understand there's a difference. And I just wondered if that was so important to you that you decided and other Jewish leaders, too. Yeah, look, I, I, um, I you know, I take uh, Friday nights. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's very well known that I work on uh, I, I work on Saturdays and that's uh, that's a choice. I don't work on uh, on Yom Kippur. I don't vote on Yom Kippur. I, I don't uh, I don't attend the House of Commons proceedings on Yom Kippur. I was actually in Shul in Ottawa in uh, in Yom Kippur, which is a very welcoming community for somebody who is uh, who is stuck uh, 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 you know, not being able to go home for the for the one day, but this is an imp- like. Let's go back to Iran for one second. This is a time where you know, for the first time, for really the first time in forty years, this is not a protest. This is a revolution. This is uh, this is a change. And to ensure that we support it, that we support the right side of history, that we support women in Iran, that we support uh, uh, the victims of, of 55 Canadians that were shot down by terrorists in a plane, that's important. Um, so whether it's Saturday, whether it's Sunday, whether it's Friday, you should be there and you should be there with the community on the right side of history on an issue that is clearly black and white. We should be able to call them terrorists. We should be able to put them on the list and start uh, uh, and start using the Anti-Terrorism Act in the way that it was intended for terrorists. If they're moving. I mean, I'm not an apologist for the government. They are moving with every day. There's new sanctions coming out. I'm glad that they're moving. And I and, and I will I will be the first one to applaud them when they put the IRGC on the terrorist list. Why it's taking so long, that's the question. And my job as, uh, as an opposition MP and the job of the leader of the opposition is to force them to do that. And that's exactly what we're doing. Okay, and then you talked about inflation busting. Uh, how, as you're going forward in this fall session, you know, what are the plans to keep that uh, on the on the top of the agenda the, it is the central re- it is the central message and is the central message for the very reason that it is the the central issue in everybody's lives um it is the number one two three four and five issue i hear about in my office in the community when i'm at the gas station when i'm at the grocery store uh in some way or another people believe to be working harder and not getting ahead and to say that this is some kind of global phenomenon that is happening, you know, all over the world, it is worse in Canada. It is being, uh, f- the flames of that are being fanned by the government. And we have a few solutions, you know, stop the tax hikes. We're going to see tax hikes on, on January 1st. We're going to see them on April 1st. We want that to stop. We want more money in your pocket. Uh, and we want to see, uh, we want to see the government get off the, the ideological high horse of uh, tripling the carbon tax and let people live. 
just so you can put food on the table. Okay, back to your own personal day in the life type of thing. So I see you go back and forth to your constituency, but can you talk about how many times a month do you have a, a pied a terre in Ottawa or did you get an apartment? Or I, I do now, I yeah. I do now. I was uh, I was living out of a bag in a hotel in uh, the closet in my office for uh, for a little while until I figured out what this all is and what it feels like. But uh, yeah, now I've got a little little shoebox in uh, in Ottawa where uh, where I can hang up some clothes and go to sleep every night. Uh, I'm there uh, about three weeks a month, uh, about six months a year. So it, it turns out to uh, about 130 sitting days, uh, and the rest of the time. Uh, I'm here in the constituency. Okay, lastly, what's the best kept secret location that you like in the new office buildings where Parliament is now, where you've been hanging out? Okay, so there is, uh, I'm not going to tell too many people about this. So like for, for those, uh, you know, for those who are listening, there is like some secret little rooms that are called like family rooms on the on the end of it. And and nobody uses it because they think it's like, oh, you've got to have like a little kid or, or a family um, and you can go and get work done in uh, in one of these rooms. And there's uh, there's comfortable chairs in there. So that's where I hide out. So if you're ever at Parliament Hill, um, ask for uh, for where the family room is. I'm usually uh, I'm usually in there trying to pump out uh, a speech or two. <laughs> They have like yoga mats and uh, coffee. Oh, it's not. It's not that fancy. You gotta get. You gotta get your own coffee from the calf downstairs, and uh, and there's no uh, there's no yoga mats, but uh, uh, there are there's plenty of room in uh, in my office, and uh, you can come to my office because I've set up a ping pong table on uh, on my boardroom table. So that's another well kept secret in uh, in Ottawa. Thanks so much again for being part of the CJN Daily. Thanks for having me. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Susan Inhaber and Stephanie Sachs and all the members and volunteers in the Naamat Women's Group in Calgary. They recently filled 850 backpacks with school supplies for kids whose families were fleeing domestic abuse and are staying temporarily in local city shelters. This group of women has been doing the event for 25 years, so kol hakavod. And just so you know, if my voice sounds weird, which it does, it's because I'm recovering from COVID for the second time round, and so I'm currently in quarantine for another couple of days here in Montreal. Thanks so much for listening. Join author Karen Levine in marking the 20th anniversary of the extraordinary true story behind her beloved children's book, Hannah's Suitcase. You'll hear how the curator of a small Holocaust museum in Japan wound up on an incredible global journey, searching for a young girl named Hannah Brady. Sunday, October 30th at 2 p.m. at Beth Emmett Synagogue in Toronto. To learn more and register for free, visit beby.org event OCT30.